Welcome to iHeartGeek. And welcome to another episode of iHeartGeek. This is a life-changing episode for all of us. Um, maybe not. This is just things that changed our lives, but not necessarily. It's not going to change our lives. It might, because I know it's going to change Chris Giorgetti's life. I'm Dub. I'm here with Chris Giorgetti. I'm here with Sutomi, and I'm here with Miss Geeky Page. How are y'all doing today? Hi, guys. What's so, up? This so, new podcast is partially brought to you in part by coffee. I drink it because I need it. Coffee available on Giorgetti on Ice. <laughs> and for those for those of you who are who are listening and not watching, both Chris and I happen to have Disney mugs today. Yes. <laughs> we are going to discuss a lot of Disney today. Today we are discussing literally entertainment that has changed the world, that has changed our lives, and then we're just kind of going to discuss a little bit on there. And I think there is, as I was writing the script, holy crap, there is a lot of stuff that really means a lot to us, which explains why we're all geeks, I think. Yeah. Uh, today's show is brought to you by The Buggles, reminding you the video killed the radio star, and then something else will kill the video star. Um, I think the internet did. Um, the YouTube killed the internet, the radio, the video star. No? It's the internet killed the radio star. The, the internet killed the radio industry. Uh <laughs> Just saying. Okay, so we we are talking about the panel now, real quick, and then we'll be we'll be out of we'll be done with the business side. Go down, and if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the like, hit the subscribe, comment, and if you're not on YouTube, go to any of our other social medias, which include TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and I know All we have one stuff. more. Everything. All the internet things. All the apps. Yes. Patreon. Patreon. Yes. Get more content from us. Okay. So what 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 we want to talk about today is the things that changed society or us personally as far as entertainment. Um, this is things that changed the actions of society in general. This is things that say that change what we want to do, what we want to be, and how things moved, I guess, or it changed the industry in general. Um, we're all over the place on this one. So as far as when we talk about something that has changed society um, in general, what do you feel are some of the elements that had to take place? Um, I'll give a, a good example of this would be uh, the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. This is, this is my first example that we'll talk, we'll discuss because everybody and their mother sat down and watched the Beatles and introduced the whole world to rock and roll. That to me was, it changed society, all of it, not just personally, but everybody. What do you think are some of the things that have changed society in entertainment? Let's start with you, Chris. How did I know you're going to pick me first? You because you're wearing pink. <laughs> And I, got, and I got this t-shirt on the iHeartGeek store. It's Ooh. very comfortable. Hey, Chris, we're twinsies. Oh I got my, my Geek Rockstar shirt on iHeartGeekShow.com. Well, so did oh I. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know Tommy has me. one, too. She's just, she's just, I'm just not wearing not it. Wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I thought of when I was reviewing the script is late night talk shows kind of help. Oh, Yeah. They they're kind of the ones who 
take what's going on in the world and put it into funny bite-sized jokes. And they also help um, introduce like new actors and musical artists and causes to the world. Um, for me growing up, the two shows that I personally related to the most that kind of like changed how I view the world and how I get my news is the daily show with Jon Stewart and the Colbert report. Uh, because before John, before Jon Stewart took over, it was like a tabloid nineties talk show. And then as the world took a turn into the dark seriousness that we live in today, over 20 years ago, well, not really dark, but you get what you get what I'm saying. Um, like it ended up being better journalism than some of the network news people because I feel like they were able to get right to the point. They didn't have to play nice by like any of the network like restrictions. Now, now um, I want I want to agree, but I want to disagree with you on that one. Yeah, I. I, I but for someone who's yeah. young, like no, me, and, and I'm not uh, saying it didn't change the world. I I'm not going to say it changed the world for the better, honestly, because as a satire show, they were amazing. Yeah. The problem is. Um, because they got those incredible ratings, it a lot of the serious news took that satire and said, well, we can throw our opinion into regular news. And that was kind of a, and that's part of, yeah. so yes, it did change the world. I'm not going to say for the better. <laughs> In your opinion. Yeah. but for, That's opinion. That's, that's yeah. me. <laughs> Cronkite. God. Which is going to be a lot of today, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like even 20 years later, you can see in the current yeah. late night lineup, you can see the influence that Jon Stewart and Colbert's first show had um, because people look for truth and meaning in whatever they watch and whatever they listen to. This doesn't have to be like a new show. It could be any. Yeah. And if it's not relatable, people know. And I guess part of the reason why, you know, I could relate to i guess what colbert and stewart and conan and letterman were saying is because they were able to relate to us and they were able to take some of the more serious things going on in the world to make us laugh at just by showing some of the absurdity of it all yeah so make it more palatable to take the information in yeah because i don't know if you've been hiding under a rock the last year <laughs> or two, but the world's kind of on fire right now. <laughs> Literally, the ocean was on fire not too long ago. So, and, mm -hmm. and <laughs> one of the things that helped me get through the pandemic was tuning into my TV dad, Stephen Colbert, because there's just because there's just something calming yeah. and reassuring about him. And I think for a lot of people who are of my age, you know, before 1990 or after 1990, I should say, You're such a baby. I know. Uh, <laughs> well, we, it's like it's like we can relate to it because you know we kind of grew up with him. Because I we, was watching. We could even take that back two steps and let's let's go back one step to Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Who? Let's be honest. That was all based on Arsenio Hall. What he did, and because he took nighttime TV and turned it on its ear, and everybody was watching Arsenio Hall for a long time. And then before that, you have your Carson, and those yeah. are the, I think the I would say that's the four steps to where we have. To what we have as as far as the changes go goes um, Carson, Tarsinio, to probably the the Colbert or not Colbert, um, Conan Stewart. Yeah, I, I mean you know Johnny I don't, Car yeah. Johnny Carson took he elevated he uh, elevated the art of it 
and then Letterman and you yeah. know as much as I don't want to admit it even Leno I'm still mad at Jay Leno for what he did to Conan uh <laughs> but, but, but I'm with you Chris like the early nine, like 80s and 90s you know you saw another generational shift and then John Stewart did his thing on Comedy Central and Colbert you know yeah and that, and so that, what know, I'm hearing yeah. essentially is um we're we're talking about so real life is happening and news to up until a point was really geared toward intellectuals which felt alienating for the general public who didn't you know a, a lot of times felt like they were speaking above above them or even down to them so when you have somebody who's an everyman who comes in who can translate what's actually going on give you their perspective on it put it in a in language that is understandable and in in pieces that are digestible because otherwise the world is overwhelming you mm-hmm. and it helps to have somebody to be a lens through which to yeah. to help suss it out whether or not you agree with their with their point of view you can at least take in the information and what's and what's going on um you know years ago it was reported that most young people were getting their news from Stephen Colbert likely because it was just too overwhelming to listen to to the news i mean Hail, I ain't in college anymore. And I, you know, sometimes I'm like, nope, nope, we are not turning on the news today. Not today, <laughs> mm-hmm. Satan. Not today. <laughs> well, you know, but that makes me miss the days of, you know, growing up. The news happened between six and seven. You had your local news at six and your it's world news is at six thirty to it's seven. And that was it. And that was enough. Yeah, and that I think that's kind of yeah. warped society. Good or bad, but that still did change it. So, so tell me, what about you? What do you think is really involved in the changing of society in entertainment? Well, I I think at least for a lot of the things that are on my list is that um, there's entertainment that presents the world as we wish it were, and so gives us almost a a vague roadmap of what we need to do in order to achieve mm-hmm. that. So when you're talking about something like, um, I, I don't want to get into my top five yet, but um, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll actually- I'll Your top you 45? Yes, we know you. My yeah. top 45, <laughs> yes. Um, you love but it. I will give you some from my childhood for sure, which is Mr. Rogers. Oh, yeah. Which really presented something that you know was like, hey, this is the world that we could live in if we chose to behave in this way. Um, even the Brady Bunch, which was mm-hmm. all about problem solving, and um, well, you know, wasn't just- wasn't the Brady Bunch the first representation of a blended family mm-hmm. on television? So, yeah, I think so. So, it, so it was also taking in elements of what was is really happening in the world, and what that could that what that could potentially be, and how you could make that work. You know, it. it yeah. It presents solutions, and I think that appeals to everybody. So, so what That's you're saying advertising is, work, work. So what what you're saying is for to to for entertainment to change a, a you know society, it's got to show hope. Yeah. I, I think, think that, that's, I, that's, that 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 kind of narrative. I like that actually. I really like that. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a, that's a pretty good distillation. Well, and, and I want to throw on something else that I had. And this is this is controversial. If this is entertainment or not? Because yes, it's kind of news. But uh, when we the moon landing, yes, none of us were alive to see the moon landing. None of us are that no. old. 
but I know my parents saw it. I know I watched it on TV um, in, in school growing up and that way it was televised and it literally brought the whole country together. World together. The whole world together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Everybody I mean, was talking, for it. If you're talking news as entertainment, then you're talking also about like, you know, Princess Diane and uh, Prince Charles getting married. Yeah. yeah. You know, that sort of, I guess we can talk about. Like, but this, the these are all things of hopeful. These are all things that yeah. were hopeful. Yeah. Not not the destroying ones, but those those are the ones yeah. we we like to remember is those hopeful things. And we could kind of live vicariously through oh, the yeah. experience. Look at the train on that dress. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. hearing that as a kid. Mm-hmm. It meant nothing to me. <laughs> but I was a You boy. thought it was a choo-choo train. I was like, You were like, yeah. I don't see a train. Where's the conductor? <laughs> Dang it. They're British. I don't like her caboose. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah. What about you, Courtney? What she said. Oh, um, it is what she said. Um, I'm gonna give three names. Okay. Thomas Edison. Okay. Giuseppe Marcone and okay. ostensibly Hetty Lamar. Because these three people, <laughs> Thomas Edison invented the movie camera. Which without we wouldn't have movies or moving True. pictures. Giuseppe Marconi and his partner invented radio. In the way that we we know it. And Hedy Lamar ostensibly invented the internet. Because her work in World War II with radio waves and radar waves is what led the way to the internet. Without those three people and those three things, we wouldn't be sitting here on our iPhones videoing a show for people to listen to on the radio and on the internet. That's so, a fact, Jack. Okay, there you go. Um, school us, school us. Can you go into Hedy Lamar a little bit more? Because I did not know this about her. Yes, there's a great there's a great documentary on Netflix called Bombshell. If anybody's really interested, Hedy Lamar, for those who don't know, was a very popular movie star in the 1930s and 40s. Considered one of the most beautiful women in the world, she was she was a German woman, um, and who was discovered and brought to Hollywood. She was also brilliant, mm-hmm. massively brilliant, like math genius. And so when World War II hit, and I mean, she'd always done little experiments and she'd always done math stuff before. And a lot of times to kind of like supplement her income as a movie star. Um, but when the World War II hit, she had an idea to use sonar and waves to locate ships in the Pacific and in the Atlantic to help the U S war department. So she worked with some scientists and they basically invented the internet. They invented wireless is what they did. Mm. But, but when she tried to patent it, the war department confiscated everything and pretty much claimed it. And of course, until, until recently, all but denied that she was actually the one that did it all because she was heading Lamar, the movie star. Of course she couldn't, you know, so. And she was female. Yeah. Yeah. And she was female in the forties. But it is, it is pretty much accepted now because they, they have all of her, all of her work and all of her notes because it's all at the war department. It's all been declassified now and everybody's pretty much, while there were other people involved in the project, it's pretty much accepted that Hedy Lamar invented 
wireless, which is what our internet is based on today. Did not know that. All because she wanted cool. to help the war effort. Cool. Very cool. I have to actually check that yeah. one out. Very cool. Yeah, she's very interesting. She died broke. Um, and they did like they did some calculation of if they had acknowledged that she was the adventurer of, of this, she would be worth over $380 billion to this day. Jeez. So yeah, wow. but no, check out the she had a very, very interesting life. So if anybody's interested, <laughs> it's called a bombshell. <laughs> very good. Okay. So now let's take this to more of a personal level. Now, for something in entertainment to change you personally, what elements are we looking at that you can personally hit a little bit and say, this, this is this is what has to be there in order for it to change me? Um, in a different way. Let's let's change the order this time. Let's start with Satomi this time. It has to make me feel. I mean, in a in a profound way. And the thing is, I can't I can't answer that question really, really specifically because let's face it, feelings are intangible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it it has to it it has to give me all the feels. <laughs> and I have had experiences. That's fair with that in many ways, but uh, it's why I'm in, it's why I do what I do. Um, because other things gave me the feels. Very cool. Courtney, what about you? Um, it's like a couple of things. It's kind of like, so told me it's hard to pinpoint exactly. And to, to answer that succinctly, but I have to be able to see myself in it mm-hmm. in some way or fashion. Um, and then I also have to be inspired by it. You know, I mean, there's always the things that I have that have always kind of affected me. It's always been like a light bulb moment where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's what I'm supposed to do. Or that's that's how I should be looking at things. So it's like it's hard to it's hard to quantify that simply. But, yeah, that's kind of cool. how I feel about it. Chris? Spoiler alert, I have the exact same opinions of Satomi and Courtney, but in all, se- <laughs> in all seriousness, like, I have to be able to feel something, and I have to be able to relate to it and see myself or be inspired by it, because if there's one thing that I'm a stickler about, it's truthfulness and honesty in what I'm watching, because you can tell when something is half-assed, bleep, sorry, uh, or if it's like dishonest or you get, you'll get bored easily. You'll, mm-hmm. change, you'll change the channel. You put the book down, you'll go to another app, but if it's engaging and if it speaks to your soul, then, you know, that for me, that's, that's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, it's perfection. It's Nirvana. It's, 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 it's wonderful just to yeah. like, like I, I'm gonna get into this in my top five, uh, but there's a certain artist who I will not name yet, where I've seen him. Was he drunk? Where you, where you named <laughs> him in every and go back and I, watch I, other episodes, guys. I'm pretty sure you can figure out who Chris is talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you'll know who it is by the end. But like I've seen this particular artist 13 times, and every single time I've gone to one of his concerts, I leave so inspired and so hopeful about the world and being an artist and a musician that I just want to like kick ass and do good. 
Yeah. That's two asses. I know. <laughs> it's the coffee. <laughs> okay. I'm going to agree with you guys, but I want to take it a step farther because yes, I have to be inspired by whatever it is that I'm watching. But the most important thing to me, honestly, is I don't want to see all their tricks at one time. I want to know that there's a to be continued. Um, because I want to, if, if I'm going to be inspired by something and follow something, I have to know that there's more, if that makes sense. Now, here's a question, though. Is it that you need to know that there's going to be a to be continued as far as like a sequel? Or is it that the world that's been created is big enough that your own imagination yes. can keep that going on? That's exactly right. It's okay. that if even if there is no quote unquote sequel to whatever, it's yeah, I can I can still live in that world and I and I can still discover things about it. And I think that's what personally, if I'm gonna be inspired by something, it has to have that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you you mentioned your musical artist that We'll talk about later. Um, there's a bass player, Victor Wooten, greatest bass player on the planet. Every time I go see him play, I go practice because there's things that he does. I have no idea how he does. Um, I've watched thousands of hours of video and every time it's, it's still, there's more stuff to it. So there's very much that to be continued feel. And I think that's important. I like, and that's, in order for me to commit, I have to know there's more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to our listener feedback. And now, let's see what all of our geek rock stars have to say. So for our listener feedback today, uh, Courtney, take it away, because you know I ain't going to read it. <laughs> I know. And he probably forgot what he asked you to. So I'm going to read that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel ashamed. On, <laughs> it's true. On our listener feedback, Dub asked, hey, Dub, this is what you asked. Okay. Was what movie had touched you so deeply that it has changed your thinking or your actions? And we had a lot of great feedback. But again, like always, guys, sometimes I just can't read them all because there's just not enough time. But we love your feedback. So keep it coming. So first we have Desiree Houston. It's so hard to just pick a few, she says. I think we all pick things here and there throughout our lives that influence. I like that, Desiree. That's a great sentiment. For her, it was Dogma, Watchmen, B for Vendetta, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, one of my favorites, Split, The Matrix, Roots, The Shawshank Redemption. These all these are some that stand out for me at the moment. They're probably a little unconventional, but they made me think outside of perceived truths. They introduced us to ideas that made me pause and look in the mirror for a moment that made me challenge my behaviors, habits, beliefs, and I will always appreciate that. I think that's a fantastic answer, Desiree. So good for you. Our very own Skeeta Thompson said, Book of Love, never-ending story, dream a little dream. May sound weird, but Biodome and Dead Poets Society. He went on to tell us why. Right. And he (laughs) went on to tell us why Biodome. Said, well, Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin for starters. I'm really not sure that's a plus <laughs> skeeter, but okay. <laughs> it's a personal feel. <laughs> I know. He says the story teaches us to it's easy to maintain perfection. The real test is finding a way to make something broken perfect again. I will probably never look at Biodome 
the same way again. Thanks, Skeeter. So there you have it. There is our listener feedback. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Um, real quick, we want to talk about there's going to be a little screen going to pop up. It's going to tell you all about our contest we have going with our what if. Definitely get involved in this one. There's free stuff. And then we will go right from that into our main event. Hey, Geek Rock Stars. It's contest time. We are continuing our nine-week coverage of What If. And during these What If episodes, you have the chance to win some super cool swag from iHeartGeek. Now, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to visit the at iHeartGeek show on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook, and make sure to comment. And while you're there, you also want to like and follow us as well so you can hear about all things iHeartGeek. You'll receive an entry for one comment on each channel per episode. So that's a total of four entries a week and 36 total by the end of our nine-week contest. So good luck to you, geek rock stars. And remember, keep on geeking on. Now it's time for the main event. Okay, so for today's main event, we asked our top five entertainment events-ish, that's, that's a very broad topic, that have changed either us or our world. Um, and I wanted to leave it very vague so that we could go all over the place. And judging from everyone's top five list, we are going to do that a little bit. So I will start with mine. And my number five is a movie called Wayne's World. Now why, did, now, why did that change my world, though? Seriously, it's, I don't know that it so much changed the world, but it changed my world and most of my friends that, you know, kind of cheap, generic, um, I'm not saying this in a bad way, um, screenwriting they, they, they did, and it, it felt like a bunch of guys going out and having fun and doing what we were doing anyway. You know, I mean, you can even put clerks into this. It is just, it's the conversations that we were having put onto the screen and that it made me relook at the way the entertainment is. Well, and, and the like, Bohemian, the Bohemian Rhapsody oh my is gosh. pretty, is pretty iconic. And I honestly, I, I hate to admit that was my first, you know, uh, <gasps> entry Intro into to Bohemian Rhapsody. No, no, I knew Queen, but I did okay. not know Bohemian Rhapsody. That, ah! that moment in the car was like, oh my gosh that's amazing um i yeah, want to know who still headbangs to that part today to this very day yep me. it's unanimous we I, all do and i don't know if i can be your friend i don't know if i can be your friend if you don't <laughs> you have to you still prep for it too it's like here it comes here it comes yes! Yes! Here it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no that's i think that that was important because of the simplicity of it and I know that sounds weird, but the simplicity of it is what was really important with it. Chris, what is your number five, sir? My number five is any of George Carlin's or Robin Williams HBO stand-up comedy specials. <laughs> the seven um, dirty words. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Because um, on a world's uh, viewpoint, when George Carlin uttered the seven words you can't say on television, that changed comedy because he just basically said, F it, I'm doing this because it's funny. Um, and I was probably way too young when I watched some of Weren't these. We all <laughs> some of these stand-up specials, but just the way they, you know, 
helped they were kind of like every guys as more like george carlin was but like we could relate to them we could relate to what was going on in the world and they made us forget and just it just made it made me laugh yeah like i've never like the the 2002 robin williams special that he did on broadway um wow i was way too young to watch that but i remember just howling with laughter with like like my dad had it on we were just watching it and he let me watch it at a very young age. I'm like, okay, this is really funny. And you know, it, it, it kind of influenced how I act and try to be funny yeah. on stage. So you have to wonder with some, with an artist like Robin Williams, I mean, and, and the tragedy that surrounded him, that if, if there is like a kind of, and I'm going to say his, his name properly pronounced you all is Van Gogh, but we know him as Van Gogh. But, you know, you're talking when you talk about artists who sort of, you know, deal with depression or deal with mental illness or mental challenges. If that if that actually is more that they can see more of the world and more of humanity. And that's why they're able to give us a window onto ourselves that we we are too tightly wound. To be able to catch the glimpse. So they they part the curtain for us. Hmm. I always think whenever I think about Robin Williams, I always think about that because um, he's just he's remarkable and yet struggled so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish Carlin and Williams were still alive today because they would have had a field day with like, oh, my God, last 10 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if everyone would like, but especially Carlin would have to say, let's be honest. <laughs> he, wasn't the, he wasn't the most politically correct person, but I will say this with Carlin. What I loved with Carlin, he could cuss up a storm and he was still sounded like the most intelligent guy in the room. Yeah. There was that is its own art. And, Mm -hmm. you know, God bless him. That was just amazing. And Robin Williams was just insane. Oh, jeez. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He he was better on the coke. Let's be honest. But (laughs) he was. I would not agree. I would not agree. I love love his 80s stuff when he was just. (laughs) <laughs> one one little fun fact before I I, I close out my because I've talked way too long. George Carlin <laughs> was Mr. Conductor on the Thomas the Tank Engine. Yep. Yes, he was. Series. So I grew up with him at a very young age. Then it was Ringo Starr. Yep. It was yeah. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Courtney, what is your number five? Um, I they're two, but they they both kind of go together. So it's I Love Lucy mm-hmm. and the Dick Van Dyke Show. Both of which changed how a sitcom they changed they both changed the television landscape when especially Absolutely. Lucy because it was it was a it was a show headlined basically by a woman, but she wasn't she wasn't the perfect fifties housewife. Like she was always messing up. And I mean yeah, yeah and she was probably one of the first female comedians who could pull that kind of stuff off. And so, yeah. And then the Dick Van Dyke show as well, because, you know, Laura was that sixties housewife who was a little bit, she wasn't the perfect housewife. And then Dick Van Dyke was just this bumbling goof that, that everybody chemistry just loved. Was just yeah. I mean, the chemistry was just so perfect. And I mean, he talks about that in his biography, one of his biographies. And it's just, it's, lovely to read but yeah they both changed both of those shows changed how sitcoms 
And I mean, they're still informing sitcoms today because I mean, look at look at WandaVision. I mean, it's those two first two episodes, direct homage to both of those shows. Yeah. So well, there is in any sitcom, there is at least a little foundation of Dick Van Dyke, I Love Lucy, uh-huh. that era. I mean, if, if there has mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what the sitcom is based on. So tell me, what is your number mm-hmm. five? Um, I also have a few that are sort of dovetailed into number five, and they all have to do with MTV. Um, so we mentioned at the top, Video Killed the Radio Star, first video on mm-hmm. MTV. Um mm-hmm. I remember watching it. We were so excited. It changed how, you know, we we had been a largely aural society when it came to music. And then suddenly we add this visual element, Mm -hmm. which absolutely, I mean, I don't know about you, but I could like picture stuff in my brain. I mean, growing, growing up on Fantasia, um, I could, you know, picture things in my brain when music was happening, but suddenly you had these, you had vision, visuals to go with it which then goes into a massive game changer, which was Michael Jackson's Thriller, yeah, mm-hmm. which turned the music video into a, a movie storytelling yeah. film medium, which then, of course, paved the way for something like Beyonce's Lemonade. So you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about like groundbreaking music video events. Mm-hmm. That yeah. have happened over the years. Who, which, by the way, I'm going to dovetail one other on there. Also paved the way for the Fortnite events, where you're looking at live concerts done in virtual space in the metaverse, which is kind of where we're. Yeah. It looks like we might be heading. So, you know, I, I think were we to do this episode in ten years, we literally might be talking about a specific Fortnite concert that changed, that brought the world into yeah. the metaverse Le- you know and i want to dovetail one more on there and that is yeah. um aha take on me yes. yeah that did more for animation i think than disney had has done and that's uh high hey. praise to disney that uh, that opened i think that opened a lot of eyes to what animation that's could a be. reach <laughs> I don't think so. I really don't think it is. Because it, I, I think appreciate it, but that's that jump, it hasn't that been done. From live action. It had been done. Oh, yeah, with uh, done. Mr. Limpet and yeah. I think Roger Roberts after that. Yeah, Mr. And then a bed knobs and what, broomstick. But it was yeah. very adult. And it was yeah. very Yes, it was. And not, absolutely and not like that. manga adult, but like adult. Like well, it's a story and it's cool. There was there was actually I don't know if I want to say this, but there is a film of a not child nature called oh. Fritz the Cat. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Do not Google that, children. And anybody uh, else. Adults, do. definitely don't, Google that. <laughs> adults, Google it. Anybody under the age of 15, don't Google that. I'm so yeah, it's all going to do it, it now. I know. The minute Fritz, I said it. So don't you go to cut, Fritz you can, the cat. Yeah, yeah but totally it did the same thing. The cat. It did the same thing. It was that live action and animation thing. Because, you know, and then we got things like Roger Rabbit. And then we got things like Cool World. Yeah. Uh, we don't talk about that one. Ugh. I like that movie. Really? We'll talk know. about that after. Because that's like completely <laughs> off. Okay. So we're on number four now. Uh, my uh-huh. number, my number four, um, goes from the a world changer to a me changer, and that is Woodstock. The event changed the world, um, not necessarily because it brought peace and love, but because of that created the the mega concert venue that that 
is the only way you will see concerts anymore. And we got Hendrix's. And you got Hendrix's. Well, that was the first the time you did that either, though. Yeah, but it's. But that's when everyone found it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's when it, it launched Hendrix's version of the Star Spangled Banner to the world. Yeah. And it, it also, a lot of people say that was the death of the hippie movement is that because that's when it all became commercial. Don't care. I loved it. I mean, but and and on a personal level, when I discovered the records with Skeeter, when I was we were, I think, in seventh grade and we listened to the whole thing on LP with the, on vinyl. It was cool. Um, I miss ab- vinyl. Absolutely. We would just sit mesmerized, Damn, listen to all of it. We That's where we that's where I, I discovered the Star Spangled Banner by Jimi Hendrix and all that. And it it changed. I want to be a musician because of this. You know, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. and not necessarily I didn't want to be a bass player because of it, but I want to be a musician because of it. And it, that's a big difference. It yeah. touched me. So, yeah. OK, Chris, what yeah. is your number four, sir? My number four is The Sopranos, because before The Sopranos. <gasps> oh, no, that's a tenor. That's a different one. <laughs> um, I think you were a counter tenor there. Woo. Yeah, I was just terrible right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. Only, only I could sing in a high voice. <laughs> oh, how are you doing? Uh, but um, you know, before you know, before The Sopranos, you didn't have any TV shows this gritty, this real. But then after The Sopranos came on, you had shows like Breaking Bad, Dexter, Mad Men, all of these dark, gritty, dramatic stories that otherwise wouldn't be made if it wasn't for Tony Soprano and his North Jersey crew with all the gabagool and the pasta. Um, you know, you wouldn't have some of these other iconic shows. And now I'm it, hungry. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, had, <laughs> uh, I want some gabagool now. But like, and plus, it show it introduced the world to New Jersey and how pretty it actually is. Dub. It doesn't smell that bad. <laughs> you got to use the qualifier. It doesn't smell that bad. That's 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 a heck of a qualifier. Go it, ahead. it also it also it also introduced like a new kind of form of storytelling that we've gotten mm-hmm. used to. But where, you're forget- yeah. yeah, you're forgetting about the greatest New Jersey story. That's toxic waste adventure. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Oh my I had goodness. To do that. What, what am I going to do with you, Dub? What am I going to do with you? Uh, Tolerate him. That's what we do. But don't worry, folks. Dub's going to get another chance at one of my top two. Yes, he is. Crap on New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I, I love you, Jersey. I do. But 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 without the Sopranos, you know, I think TV would be a much much different and boring place. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Courtney, what is your number four? Um, this is I'm like you. It's it's something that changed, and then it changed me. So things like, I guess more like Aaron Spelling in general, but like things like Dynasty and Falcon Crest both were, were created. They changed the primetime landscape because there weren't any primetime. Basically, these were soap operas and like things like Dallas. Mm-hmm. So they changed the primetime landscape. And then by the time I was old enough, we got Beverly Hills 90210. And I just remember being a high school kid, very young high school. I think it was a like freshman. Just so excited to see these 30-year-olds playing high school kids. Like, I want to have a high school like that, you know? So, and then, you know, you get older, you're like, Ooh, I shouldn't have been watching that stuff before. But yeah, I mean, they, those kinds of shows changed and Aaron Spelling for the most part, because he was a producer of most of them changed the primetime landscape of, of TV. 
That's a fact. Mm-hmm. A whole yeah, there's different a, you're reminding me of all those shows. You're reminding me of all those shows that I I don't want to admit changed me at the time because mm-hmm. I it, you know they 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 present a um, words are escaping me right now, but you know idealized image to how how life is supposed to be lived at that age, which was not how life is supposed <clears throat> to be lived at that age. Uh-uh. And I made decisions based around what I thought based on those shows. Oh. I'm embarrassed to say it, but you know, not, not based on the show. Clothing choices. Being influenced. Oh, many clothing choices. Many, many, many clothing, clothing choices. choices. Many I stand by my choices. choices. There's still pictures of yeah. that. And I just wish they would go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just tell me, what is your number four? So my number four, it's funny, we're talking about this and now I, I almost want to put something else in there, but I'm going to make it my number three. Uh, my number four is I'm going to go back to things that change the industry that I love so much. And um, that is Jurassic Park. <laughs> because um, with it was the first time, now we had seen little hints and things like Terminator of what, you know, CG could do, but it was always sort of this, and the abyss, there were always sort of this like manipulation of reality. And suddenly Jurassic Park, I know for, you know, a lot of the kids living today, they're like, yeah, whatever. But for us at the time, we had never seen fully realized mm-hmm. non-existent creatures rendered so that they were real. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, I remember sitting in a crowded theater in the front row because that was all the seats that were left, craning my head up. And that first freaking Brachiosaurus or Brachiosaurus yeah. Yeah, comes on the screen and we the entire theater <gasps> gasped. Mm-hmm. Because this was not part of our reality. And it completely changed filmmaking. What is now commonplace is because of that Jurassic Park. Yeah. And, well, and this rebel, you know, rebel uh, computer graphics artist who was told that it was impossible yeah. and don't even bother decided to go ahead and work on it and slip it in to a little test. Where, of course, you know, yeah. Spielberg lost his mind and history mm-hmm. was made. Let, let me throw a plug in. Um, what is it? The movies that made us on Netflix, they have the Jurassic Park one and they tell that story. And oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's just beautiful. Yep. Okay. So very we're cool. up to number three. And my number three is very important for anybody that was that's on our show that. Uh, loves the Marvel Universe that anything so these are three things that I put into one and that is the the Superman movie Super Friends the cartoon and Batman 89 those that to me that's the holy trilogy of my generation and loving comic books and comic book movies and wanting more of this if mm-hmm. they didn't have that the thirst would not have been there for the Marvel Universe because these were the all three of these movies and TV shows were just so everybody loved them. And I don't know anybody that didn't watch the, watch all three of these. I did not know a single person. And that's pretty amazing. You can't say that to, about any movie nowadays. But yes, I enjoyed those a lot. But I, I think those, those definitely changed the world. They changed me. Um, I would not have ever picked up a comic book if I wouldn't have had Super Friends. Because it was just... Do, 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 do. Sorry. 
So good. As soon as Super Friends. Okay. Chris, what is your number three? Uh, if I could add to your thing before I tell my number three. Absolutely. For for my generation, 2008 was a very good year because you had Iron Man and The Dark Knight, which set yeah. the standard yeah. for superhero movies. But yep. my number three. It was three, a very good year. I was about to <laughs> sing that. Dang it. <laughs> so Thank tell you me it. it's Thank points. Uh, my number three, and this one's very close to my heart because I've had a history with this particular Disney film, Beauty and the Beast, 1991. The second of the Disney Renaissance films, but it's the one that kind of, you know, pushed it into that upper echelon of these next mm -hmm. 10 years are going to be iconic because, you know, you have the ballroom scene in Beauty and the Beast, the 91 movie, the original so, listeners and viewers, when I talk about Beauty and the Beast, I'm only talking about the one true Beauty and the Beast, not the 2017 the animated one. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th this movie was perfect. It's a perfect Disney movie. And you can even argue that the Broadway musical version also changed the world because that was the first show that you could really bring the whole family to. Mm -hmm. And it exposed a lot of people to Broadway and to musicals. Mm -hmm. I know. I know it exposed me to it because my dad worked on the show. Um, so, but like, I love this movie and ask any Disney fan and I guarantee you this will be in their top 10. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say it's, I, I, it's not necessarily the um, first show that you could bring the whole family to because Broadway was well known for shows you could bring the whole family to, but it was one that was incredibly accessible to yeah. every member yeah. of the family. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, especially sorry we you know we got into this with with the musical episode but especially because so many community productions of other shows had turned it in turned musical theater into sort of this cheesy kind of place mm -hmm. and beauty and the beast like brought it back to no everybody can watch this and this can be amazing and everybody can have a great time yeah mm -hmm. and and then it can't be understated the ballroom scene is another yeah. moment that changed the way that they make movies the CGI yeah. with the with the sweeping camera and it didn't it didn't look like a computer. It didn't look like you're playing virtual fighter. It looked like, wow, this is just it's a part of it. And mm -hmm. all these angles they were making changed. Mm -hmm. If there's no Beauty and the Beast, there is no Matrix. Mm -hmm. you know, and I, mean, I and I can say that before the pandemic shut everything down, my fiance and I ate in that very ballroom on my birthday and we had the gray stuff. It was delicious. <laughs> it really was. Well, and I mean, it, we also, we talked about it a little bit before we started filming. It's that movie was the first full length animated feature to be nominated for a best picture Oscar. Yeah. But that wouldn't be there without the mermaid, but that's just, me. that's my but favorite. <laughs> I don't think any of this would be there without snow white. Cause that was the oh, absolutely. fact. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Oh, oh sorry yeah! If I stole that from anyone, and none of that oh, would no. be there without Steamboat Willie. Yeah, yep, it's true. Did you know mm -hmm. that um, when Snow White came out, they were given a special Oscar? It had the Oscar statuette with, and then the little, little ones. If you watch the movie Saving Mr. Banks, um, where Tom Hanks plays Walt Disney, mm -hmm. behind him in the office scenes is the is the Snow White honorary oh, cool. Oscar. With all the seven little dwarf Oscars nice. next to it. Oh. Okay, Courtney, what is your number three? Um, so 
Okay, we talked about the mermaid. Um, I'm gonna change it up real quick. I can't imagine. <laughs> well, I, you mentioned you mentioned the Beatles on Ed Sullivan being a huge event, but yeah. you forgot who came first. That was Elvis. Elvis yes. on Ed Sullivan and above and the, Beatles the have, only kids. <laughs> Elvis. The Beatles have always said that Elvis was one of their greatest influences. So Elvis being on on that was a phenomenon but he actually is the one that ushered in rock and roll. Fair enough. Ball up. Uh-huh. Zatomi? Um, I, I'm just going to mention how hard it is to come up with the top five um, just because there are so many things. There are just so many things. Um, but for now, I'm going to say for my three is going to be the film Frida, uh, oh. which is starring Selma, Selma Hayek, and uh, directed by Julie Taymor. Yes, it is a remarkable film. Um, I actually cut my hair to match Frida's for a while after uh, after she had cut her hair. Um, it visually stunning. It Julie Taymor, who had been known for her um, theatrical eye, brought that incredibly just beautiful imagery to the film and it translated beautifully um you know you've got alfred molina Salma hayek with these beautiful performances but um it was really the story of a woman who lived her life um persevering through the challenges that she had she had a terrible accident when she was very very young um and goes through her recovery but because Julie used things like claymation to um, and and Frida's artwork to sort of create these visual gut punches throughout, mm-hmm. um, it it did affect me in the sense of of uh, real you know realizing how important what I do is to me. And it really spoke to lessons of perseverance that my mother always taught me, um, you know, that that you just you just always you keep going. And it's it's how you make it in a business like this. And it's also how you make it in life, dealing with life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just I just found that the film sort of in, encapsulated that so beautifully that by the end, she's lived this unbelievable and rich rich life that you're like yeah okay if if i ended my life and was like could have that satisfaction i would be happy i would die happy very good i i've never seen it. i probably need to you got it oh that's <laughs> so good it's, it's just so good. It, it, even it just just from a visual level as satomi was saying it's just beautiful be visually because a lot of this a lot of the scenes she literally recreates Frida's artwork on with humans and with, I mean, it's just, it's colorful. And I mean, just visually it's beautiful. And to tell, she uses it to further the story, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is what is so striking. It's not just like, you know, pastiche, here's your little, you know, here's your little Mm -hmm. artwork moment. It's like, no, it's Mm -hmm. it's forcibly moves forward the story and it's remarkable. Mm -hmm. Okay, so moving on to my number two, um, and that is the first time on MTV that I watched Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, <laughs> literally changed my life. 
there was a lot in my life. Let's be honest. That was the the age that everything changes for me. I mean, everything. Um, just yeah, Th- that moment in time when that came out was is literally like kind of the fact where I feel like my life kind of began of who I am instead of you know just being a kid. Uh, but see, I felt like I had a voice, you know, and I, and I understood what the you know. You always hear heard kids in the 60s. Yeah, well, I hear rock and roll. It's my voice. I'm like, oh, that's stupid. That happened when that video came out to me. I felt like I have a voice. This is amazing. So, yeah. Smells like teen spirit. Mr. George Eddy, what is your number two? Oh, oh, I can't wait to tell you what my number two is. <laughs> Are you ready? Get ready. Because I have gone to the Church of Rock and Roll 13 <laughs> times where I've basked in the glory of St. Bruce Springsteen and his E Street Band. <laughs> so, Is that where so, he got the DUI? No, asking. that was okay. that was at Sandy Hook. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, that made it even worse. Okay, go so, ahead. <laughs> so Bruce Springsteen is my favorite uh, rock band. Be- and, you know, I'm a little biased because I'm from New Jersey, where it's law to pray to the three patron saints which are Joe Pesci, James Gandolfini, and Bruce Springsteen. Um, But every time I've gone to one of his four-hour rock and roll love fests, I come out of it a changed person. The power of music is powerful. And, like... That was deep. I I know, I realized it as it came out of my mouth. But, like... like, He's overwhelmed, leave him alone. I've seen him play Born to Run in its entirety twice. I've seen him play The Darkness on the Edge of Town in its entirety. The River twice. And, you know, when I go to other non-Springsteen concerts, they play for like an hour and a half, two hours, and I'm always wanting more. Yet with Springsteen, he goes for four, four and a half hours, and I still want more. He could party all night long, and it's like, it's the greatest concert you'll ever go to. All you need to do is attend the Bruce Springsteen Church of Rock and Roll once, and he will deliver the most powerful, life-changing rock and roll. Sermon. And put in your ear, put in you earplugs, and you're good. Ever here? Oh, <laughs> listen. You can think he's I a terrible. Sing- you can think he's a terrible singer or whatnot, because you know he sounds like a this every time he, he sounds- sings. But like, yeah, sounds like Cher. Go ahead. Yeah. But <laughs> that's them some fighting words right there, buddy. But honestly, though, like every time I, but with with when I go see Bruce. Um, every time you're on a first name basis, we are. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> we, we, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm, I'm, done, no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. No, I, I, I did this to myself. I knew full well what I was getting into <laughs> when I uttered the name Bruce Springsteen. But what, what, whatever your opinion is of him, everyone should go to one of his concerts and you will come out of it. So uplifted because every time I've gone to a Bruce Springsteen concert, I've kind of been like in a funk and after just sitting there for four hours listening to all this awesome music, I'm like, okay, the world's all right. Because he he writes very personal, intimate songs um, that cut. Like, there, there have been moments at every single one of his concerts where I've cried because he gets it. Yeah. He, you know, he gets it. And yeah, I love Bruce. You'll never change my mind. You'll never change my mind. <laughs> He's no Dave Matthews, but he's okay. Oh, <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. <laughs> Courtney, what is your number two? First off, I will accept no share slander at all. <laughs> it was dub. It wasn't me. 
I know, Chris, you're fine. I'm talking to Dub. If you do it again, I will have to hurt you. Anyways, shares my queen. Okay, so um, number two. Now we're venturing into things that changed Courtney's life. So my number two is the movie All the President's Men um, with Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford. And it's about the breaking of the Watergate-Nixon story. That movie made me want to be a writer, which I am today. Um, because it it just spoke to me on so many levels because they their job was to tell the truth as writers and they kept fighting no matter what, no matter roadblocks they got to, they, they were on the story. They were going to make the story happen. They were going to write the story and tell the world this story. And it just, it, it made me really solidify the idea for me that I need to be a writer so I can tell stories too. I'm a different kind of writer, but it's still fair enough. Telling stories to the world. So tell me what is your number two? Uh, my number two is one that both changed the world and changed me, and that is Star Wars. Uh, Star we are talking Wars, now. Nothing but nothing Star but Star Wars. Wars. Um, you know, this is something that brought in a philosophy of life. Mm-hmm. People created actual churches around it. Community. Do or not do. There is no try. Um, you know, just again, it's what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's the world as we would like it to be now, not with the empire and all of that, but, you know, just the, the philosophy of the Jedi and, um, you know, again, we're talking about another story of perseverance. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I, I hate, going through that one so fast because that's star wars that's like that's <laughs> i know but we did an entire patreon series on it yes so we did check you, it sh- out you should go back to every single episode is covered now my number one is um a movie that i've mentioned several times called pump up the volume if there is no pump up the volume there is no podcast this hmm. you just watch this thinking movie you'll understand all all about me if you watch that movie I've, I've talked about it before. So moving on, Chris, what is your number one? My number one is WrestleMania. Here's why. <laughs> before the 1980s wrestling in North America, or redneck anime, as I like to call it, was very territorial. <laughs> uh, then Vince McMahon bought up all the territories, and he turned pro wrestling into this, you must watch this. Yeah. Because, uh, w- you know, in the 80s, you got Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage. Uh, yeah, brother. Randy yeah, can you dig it? Roddy Piper, Roddy Piper, Bruno, you know, you know, you have all, you know, Junkyard he, dog. he made pro wrestling commercial. He made mm-hmm. it acceptable. He made it cool. And then the attitude era. And he made it into 90s. a Saturday morning cartoon. He did. I yeah. missed that cartoon. You can't find it anywhere. <laughs> and having been to four WrestleManias in person, um, they're by far the best um, sports entertainment spectacles you'll ever see because there's so much pomp and grandeur into it, it yeah. it's it, it's like even pop star like it's like it's an event everyone wants to be a part of like Shaq was in it Floyd Money Mayweather was in it at one time or year they had Mickey Rourke at one of them I was a uh, that Stephen one, Amell like, yeah even like, Amell it, it's like WWE in his arrow costume in his arrow costume and as much as I 
you know, poo poo WWE on my podcast, Georgia Day on Ice. Um, first they, blow. Really, <laughs> they really, you know, it's the best wrestling show I've been to ever just because of how big it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, after, you know, since 85, everyone loves WrestleMania. Well, most people like WrestleMania, but when you think, when you think of pro wrestling, you think of WrestleMania and Hulk Hogan and the rock and the undertaker and blah, 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 blah. I could go on for hours. Trust uh, me, uh, yeah. You're, you're, you're trying to right now. I yeah. See that. I'm sorry. Oh, wait, <laughs> I'm being told I have to be quiet now because we're almost out of time. I will do that. <laughs> Courtney, what is Somebody your number one? <laughs> um, this is another personal one for me. Um, it's the Phantom of the Opera musical and I'm not kissing Satomi or Chris's butt. Um, I was 14 years old. We went to LA. It was the very first professional production of something I'd ever seen. And it blew my little 14 year old mind, um, who had been playing in theater for a couple of years, but it wasn't until that moment. And I saw that show that I realized theater was going to play a truly integral part in my life and here i am 175 years later and still acting and directing because of phantom of the opera so there we go soundtrack was a big deal for me too that's yeah i i was yeah i was blown away by it as a junior high kid and yeah it was that that was my gateway into what little broadway that i do know but yeah (laughs) so tell me what is your number one my number one uh, is also very personal to me, and it's also the reason that I am in musical theater, and that is Sunday in the Park with George, um, which I saw the PBS uh, airing of uh, Mandy Patinkin, Bernadette Peters, Brent Spiner, y'all, Data, mm-hmm. Star Trek. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I I talk about, like, the the less than fully realized productions that sometimes happen that give musical theater a bad rap. And it's kind of my, it was my perception of most musical theater until I saw Sunday in the park with George and uh, suddenly realized that it could be an incredible uh, vessel for real emotion, real storytelling, deep, uh, (laughs) It's that thing that we were talking about earlier, that intangible thing um, where I just felt everything. I felt the longing that I have as an artist. I felt the longing that I have as a as a female who loves to love. Um, and, you know, the the feeling of ostracization, I can't speak, in society, you know, that everybody goes through, even when you're not, just that, you know, that that uh that mental feeling that that you go through and it just and it was all expressed through my favorite um musical theater composers music Stephen Sondheim um and literally finished watching it and decided that this is what I had to do so that mm-hmm. was an earth-shattering entertainment event for me very cool wow so thank you all for for joining me today this was a fun episode um mm-hmm. Yeah, make sure make sure you like and comment and do our contest and go to our Patreon and do all the stuff and yeah. Did Just, you pay extra for the dot com on the website? I would we pay did. extra for the dot com. www.iheartgeekshow.com. 
buy I, shirts. I, you threw me off. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, buy a shirt because <laughs> it's awesome. And until next time, I'm Dub. I'm here with Chris. I'm here with Satomi. I'm here with Courtney. Keep on geeking on, guys. You have been listening to the latest episode of the iHeart Geek Show. Make sure you visit our website at www.iheartgeekshow.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you check us out on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And keep on geeking on to all of you geek rock stars.